Welcome to the Better Future podcast series brought to you by Driven by Design Award Programs. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is... Kirsten Mann. I'm Global VP of Product Experience for Oracle's Construction and Engineering Global Business Unit. This podcast series is a special series where we focus on design in the boardroom. It's a series of infield recordings and live panels with design giants from around the world, and we discuss how boards are leveraging design to accelerate economic outcomes. In other words, how is design being managed up, down, and across the organisation? In this episode, Mark and Melissa discuss how fintech and design can help women's wealth creation. Now, if we were to accept the current model, it would take over 150 years to realise this wealth creation. But Melissa talks about how with the use of design, they've been able to accelerate the steps to make this happen in this lifetime. All of this enabled by a board that knows its mission. Hi, I'm Melissa Collins. I am the Chief Design Officer here at Elevest. Now, Melissa, you're not just a Chief Design Officer for a digital product here, digital financial service product, but you go all the way back to smart design and industrial design. So you made things as well as screens. Well, I should clarify, I I was a communication designer at Smart Design. So I made communications around things at a place that made things. Okay, all right. So well, but, it, but there's diversity there. And and so you get you've you've had exposure. <clears throat> you've had exposure to the making of something physical which can't be changed with a code push. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's, it's gone into a mould, tooling, it's gone into a package, so there's printing and there's 50,000 packages. So it's a, it's, it's a very different era to the quite agile, responsive nature that digital product can have. And it also means that you can't have as sharp a tool that you can have with a digital product. It's, it's absolutely true. You definitely have a lot more limitations and with physical products, um, a lot more of a lead time to, to get ready and get prepared. The majority of my work at SMART, I would say, was consistent with the work at Alavest in the sense that we did a lot of deep discovery. Because when you have a physical product with that much of a lead time, you're going to end up needing to be sure that you really understand the the problem that you're serving before you get into that phase of actually shaping and molding and so can the plastic do this and you know can the manufacturer create that and is that going to be too expensive so you want to do as much work as you can up front to really be sure you're solving the right problem and that what you're presenting for the user is going to be resonant for them and the joy of doing that in uh, in the digital world is of course that we get to talk to people all the time every day about whether or not what we make works. On my way here for our discussion, I took some time to go look at the LFS website and uh, and found out that there was a phenomenal amount of work, which at some point was measured in cups of coffee, which was probably the most frivolous of the metrics there, but it was how many face-to-face interviews, how many scenarios, how many hours had gone in, and uh, let's say that must mean from the get-go that Elevest has had a phenomenal commissioning of design because you're trying to create great customer experiences for a very particular cohort, and you... And there's the evidence that you've done that. 
Well, we, we're really lucky that our, our founder, Sally Krawcheck, has had the experience in the, in the industry that she's had. So Sally has been at the head of almost every major bank in the U.S. And in her time there, what she noticed was that she just didn't have any women clients. And if you, if you go through the industry, you'll find out 86% of the financial advisory industry in the United States is uh, white men over the age of 60. Um, I'm married to a white guy. I love him. He's great. But when you're a lady and you're sitting down to talk about your money, you don't always feel at ease in that situation. Yeah, and we and we flipped from a period where the male having all of the answers is behind us, which is a great thing. I was thinking, I wonder when Elevest will bring in a product for the trailing male partner of a really smart female investor. Well, I wouldn't say that it's trailing. I don't think that we're um, we're we're about you know even gender essentialism, right? Like the conversation around gender is adapting and changing as well. And what we what we do want to recognize is that you know in in the way that the investment world has worked, it has been designed for a very specific type of person, and that type of person was not often female. Um, and you know, frankly, that type of person. And probably wasn't my husband either. Um, we do have a product for both men and for women, and we're introducing uh, a non-binary component coming up uh, in the next few weeks, which we're very excited about, uh, in order to kind of be able to introduce a financial experience that is tailored to a mindset that's based more around how can I make the most of my money and achieve the goals that I want to achieve versus being really interested in gaming the market and winning and beating, which if you look at the numbers, you'll find out that nobody really does that very successfully. I think it's 0.01% of all traders actually beat the market. The unfortunate thing is that the monkeys, and I don't know if you know about this, but there are there's, there's research where they gave stock performance and stock picks to monkeys, and they did better than seasoned traders. And... And so there's that, that introduces a, a whole issue that has to do with um, financial services and confidence because what was being sold there was I look like you, I sound like you, therefore I must be – and I do, this, I do this all the time, so it must be okay – which is uh, how do you go get an average, uh, you know, maybe above, maybe below expectations. But what a lot of people are after is an efficient, optimised – financial result and that's and and so when you get performance based lenses put on things people actually want to know that it's real information that it's been done to help nurture them in the future not to go give them some entertainment in the bar with their with their friends and and, and I know that uh, I've heard anecdotes that females are far better investors than males because they uh, I suppose the analogy is they're good racing drivers because they don't keep taking the wheels off the car and putting them back on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may be true. I think what, what we see in the market, and we do see this with our client base here at Elevest, is that women don't tend to be as reactive in in market drops. So uh, women do tend to, to stay for the long game. They're less interested in, in making aggressive trades and moving their money around because they tend to be more focused on the future. So you've got a cohort who are interested in 
nurturing their future rather than gaming their future, which to me comes down to the really just the, the broad divide between the masculine persona and the feminine persona of I'm a nurturer or I'm, a, or I'm trying to be dominant, which we, which we see a lot. And therefore, if you've got if you've got a non-binary product, you've got um, uh, for males and females. People are really talking about what persona do they want from their investment, and that that to me is an interesting evolution because you know here in New York we've also got Wing as a club that started out for women so that they actually could go feel that they had their own space. Wing has had to go through addressing some of their policies to actually accommodate non-binary um, needs. I was actually told I might have, I could have gone there today, which is interesting because Wing's won an award from us, but I've never been able to go to the premises. Mm-hmm. So I had to go take our female jury members and trust them as we always do. And just say, <laughs> well, I've never seen this place, and that was interesting. That you know there was an era where it was exclusive. Now it's actually working out where those boundaries are, and that I suppose for yourself is that you've you've started off with a reputation of being a full females product, but now it's actually developing into this. Where actually about the nurturing of financial goals rather than gaming financial goals. Yeah, I mean, our our product has always um, been available to both men and women. Uh, The difference in how our product is tailored to men and women is actually in the way that the investing algorithm works. So the difference between a guy my age with my background and me is the way that we earn over the course of our career. So he's more likely to get more raises. He's less likely to take a career break. And so if you look at our income over the course of our lives, what you'll notice is that even if we both start out at 30 with the same salary, he's going to get more raises more often and ultimately earn a significantly greater proportion of his income over his lifetime than I will, even with the same educational background. And so if you're in the traditional finance field and you walk in and you get, you know, your your kind of projection for your goal, a lot of times they don't account for that difference in, in salary curve. So what that means is that when I retire and when he retires, I end up several hundred thousand dollars short and I never die because women live forever. So it's kind of a double whammy. You end up uh, in a particular situation. And with with non-binary folks, what has been a real challenge for us here is wanting to be an inclusive place where that's... um, where, where people feel welcome and feel comfortable, but knowing also that as a fiduciary, as someone who's responsible for making sure that we do everything to help you reach your goals, we don't have the data. So we actually don't know what a non-binary salary curve looks like. So in all of that math in the back end, where we're really doing our best to make our recommendations and to adjust your portfolio over time to make sure that you're in the best possible situation for the accounts that you have, we didn't have the information to provide. So, you know, whether it's about a, a nurturing experience because that's female or whether that's the kind of, you know, construct around what is female um, or an aggressive training situation because that's the construct around which is what it, that which is male. Um, I think what we try and do for our clients here is really provide them with more of a sense of control uh, in a world where, in the financial world, where, where you really don't have control, why we don't, nobody knows what the markets are going to do. So instead of asking you to try and predict that, instead of asking you, instead of asking women who are already very educated and already very successful in their career uh, to also become a CFP or to also become a day trader and understand the markets, we say, hey, 
we know what you have control over and knowledge over. We have experts here that can handle the portfolio. You tell us what you want. You tell us how you want to invest for it. We will make the portfolio situated so that it is best suited to serve those needs. So we, we've taken a, a few minutes there to go and actually explore what the nature of the product is, where those the personas, the masculine and feminine persona, where, where that fits, the non-binary side, which the anecdotal evidence that, I've, that I'm aware of for non-binary people is that they have significant gaps in earning generally because of difficulty to find continual employment and so that there's a, a an up and down on their career progressions generally because of bias that's mm. in there. As you were talking about that difference in the earning of the males and females, I was actually just, uh, there's this little fantasy moment going on in my mind, which is, I hope your product becomes redundant very quickly because males and females are earning the same. But for the next 15 to 20 years, that's probably not mm, going to happen. Closer to 115, actually, by recent calculations. It's not going to change for 115. 115 years for white women. For black women, it's over 160, and for Latino women, over 200 years. We've got some work to do, haven't we? We sure do. So then another aspect of a project that Driven by Design's doing is actually they're talking about a better future, which is the grandchildren's grandchildren. Yeah. Five generations. And what's interesting in lower socioeconomic groups, that that's 100 years. In upper socioeconomic groups, that's 200 years. So, you know, those profiles, they're thinking that something takes five generations to change is phenomenal. We probably, as we're finding out now with the changes in climate, we're now getting told there's a uh, Bruce Willis needs to walk in the room or Jack Bauer and tell us <laughs> the clock's ticking and we've got to go, go do something. So, listeners, uh, as you've known with with this series, we're doing this as field recordings. We're not in studios. We're we're actually in, say, the the ops room when it comes to uh, board meetings and also the design room. And there's some contractors who have decided it's Friday afternoon. There's not that many people in the office. We're going to do some work. So. You know, New York has been a, a city that's full of sounds and the sounds are everything from contractors working with machinery. Hopefully we can work out how to get rid of this so that you don't hear it too much. <laughs> but um, if it is there, New York is a busy town. Everyone's <laughs> trying to do something somewhere. So let's get, back, let's get back into we're talking about the absurdity of how long it's going to take to catch up. So my fantasy moment that hopefully your product become the need for it becomes obsolete and then you and then you return to just being a a product which is actually got a different personality but it's not for people because they're getting a, a bad deal. It just is a different style of investing and and management. But I'm way off the mark there. So you've gone through the research You've got your product in market. You've got some new aspects to your product rolling out. How do you report up to the board to tell them that the initiative that they sponsored is giving them a return and has launched successfully or is not giving a return and is challenged? Have you had to go build a reporting framework to do that or is it anecdotal because there's actually a lot of trust uh, between the, the parties that are there? 
Well, the advantage, you know, we talked about this at the start between a digital product and a physical product is that we have the opportunity to both um, adjust much more quickly and much more responsibly and much more agilely. Uh, we also have the opportunity to, to have a lot of data tracking available to us. So data uh, enables design to both partner really well with our with our marketing partners and with our product partners and with our engineering partners. And as a team, we are all responsible for key reporting metrics, right? So uh, for us, we look at things like how many how many um, people have come in and become clients today. We look at how many people have signed up for our newsletter. We look at uh, engagement and behavior across all of the different touch points of the funnel um, between the moment that somebody comes onto the website and the moment that somebody goes uh, through their final kind of you know clearing where they, they link their bank and they begin to invest. Um, we also look at our social channels. So we look at the engagement around different posts that we make on Instagram and on Twitter. We had a pretty big moment this week when our... Um, our CEO Sally Krawcheck kind of kind of lit up the idea of bad financial advice, where um, we are still kind of riding the wave from uh, getting rid of the idea that that saving yourself a five dollar latte every day is going to be the way to you know cover all your financial gaps. I think I saw that. It was you, you know have that latte. Yes. So we we had a, a journalist in Australia who said the problem with the millennials is that they're buying avocado toast. And uh, I think that went global, you know, that was an uh, old white man actually just showing a certain amount of ignorance and intolerance, um, when really the reason why they can't buy a house in Australia is because their parents have been given taxation advantages to go and buy houses with taxation breaks, and it's their parents that are actually harming them, not not the lattes or not the avocado toast. Yes. So so you've you've been writing a good bit of messaging there, setting expectations, which is an expectation of hope rather than deriding your customers. It's a big part of who we are. I think that uh, for women, especially around money, uh, we we receive a lot of messaging uh, early on that we're not good at math, that we shouldn't be responsible for money, our parents don't talk to us about money to the same degree. So your product is is very mature and you, and you know the messaging that, uh, that you have behind the product. But I still want to come back to how you go report up to up to the board. So how does that get turned into, I'd imagine there's a bounce in signups, there's a bounce in people's activity. So you can actually say, well, out of, out of that messaging, we saw, um, you know, uh, the product was being used more, the people were being a bit more adventurous, you're going to be able to attract that. So then that would be a way to go and and report through to the board to say, here is the uh, the associated change in behavior because of that messaging. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So we do we do a little bit of both. Uh, we send you know week or monthly information to our board members about uh, different KPIs and how things are changing and growing over the course of the uh, of the year. We also of course have board meetings and and design gets to play you know kind of a double role in those moments. You know we're both a part of the team, and I really do have to say a part of the team because. Uh, I couldn't do anything without my head of product and my head of engineering and my head of marketing. We're a unit. So everything that we think about in terms of how we want to visualize something or how we want to make the user experience of the checkout flow feel relies on partnership with those with those individuals, right? So we are really all, to, all in it together for the KPIs. Um, 
one of the things that we get to do that is m more kind of specifically in the wheelhouse of design is discovery research around new initiatives. Um, and that is a big part of also what we bring to the board as well is to say, hey, we're thinking about, the business is thinking about going in this direction. We have spent some time with our consumer and we have we have learned and understood a behavior pattern that exists. We see the pain points here. We, we're, uh, we believe that we have an opportunity to address them in this way. We've tested that answer. It's seeming to get traction. Now we want to take it and actually start executing against it and see how it goes. So then that means that they're able to either respond to some of those, there's potential here, work out you know the dimensions behind the potential that you've looked at, and also ask you some questions and say, we'd like you to go explore. Yep. And, then, and then they understand there's a language that you'll be responding to them so that it's actually in this board speak yeah. rather than actually in the design expert speak. Well, I think, you know, as a design expert, you have to also know your audience, right? So when you sit in a boardroom with folks that uh, are in different industries doing different things, it's important to craft a story for them as well so that they can feel the feelings that you felt when you were in the room with your clientele. And when you have an opportunity to really bring them along with you through the experience that you've had and, and ask respectfully for their insight and advice, you have an opportunity to create a really great dialogue and to, to get the most out of the people that are there to support you ultimately. You'd be surprised how few people in this series have actually understood that there's human-centered design through to the board. They It's through to everybody. Yeah, I know. And, and that's actually why, if you think of it, managing down, managing up, managing across, creating an experience for your customers, an experience for, for the market to be able to understand what, you, what you've got offering, it's just a, a cohort that we haven't actually understood yet. And that's what I've been finding interesting in doing the series is that we're now understanding that, oh, this might be a forgotten tribe. And the reason that everybody thinks that design isn't in the boardroom is because it hasn't actually been put into a structure, yeah. yet I can go tell you a standard set of financial ratios which uh, everybody says, yeah, they're, they're boardroom financial ratios. They're not operation, business operations ratios, they're board ratios. We don't have that language yet in the design industry and so it's, I suppose it's how do we go take the collective learnings out of organisations like yours who you sound more progressed, you're at, you're at the front of the pack, there's some which actually are at the further back in the pack and worryingly that they know that they've got a problem there. And then if I go look at those apparel brands like Nike and New Balance, they're actually leading the pack. It used to be that our tech sector of the likes of Facebook, Twitter were also leading the pack, but they've actually slipped. You know, they've they've now got 99 problems and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to go sort that out. Yeah. Whereas we've seen Microsoft turn around and actually say, we're going to make things that people want. Yeah. And we're going to try to get out, get the technology out of the way and actually serve people and we're going to cut down the amount of money that we spend convincing them and we'll see how that does on our performance. And they're getting a great result from that. We yet to have a chat to somebody at Microsoft about, well, what is that dialogue there? But it is interesting that we know that the their performance has been they decided with the new CEO to be human-centred to actually make things that people want and they've had a fantastic result. So it's a, I suppose people have to first work out where they are 
in a ranking of sophistication, which uh, we know Envision have been doing a lot of that with their framework around the, their four stages. But now the people who have got to have an integral design, they now have to work out where they sit in the league, Yeah. who's actually at the top of the design 100 and who's actually at the bottom of the design 100. And the bottom still means you're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that comes comes into our future. So it would seem that that the environment that you've got is high fidelity, respectful understanding, and it's a active dialogue with your board. Probably part of that's because you're not a behemoth organisation yet, so that it's easy to to get that culture going because there's fewer moving parts there. But then I've also seen organisations that haven't tried to go and bring a, a codified structure into it because we're all mates, we're all friends, you know, we'll, we'll have a chat at the club. Mm-hmm. So it's great to go see that you've actually put in some structure that will serve you as you continue to grow because what you're doing in the financial services has to have scale to it. And so from the ground up, you're you're ready for scale, which is great to see. Well, I, I certainly think that when Sally and Charlie founded the company, they were uh, excited and anticipatory of scale for sure. And every stage we pass through, that is always where we're looking is how can we serve more women? How can we create a broader suite of products that is inclusive to more women? Um, you know. So, So in wrapping up, If you had to go and put a crystal ball out there of how things will change with you relating to the board in the coming one to five years, what do you think that would be? Or maybe you you don't have that crystal ball. I I find it hard to work it out. Some people say off the top of their mind, we know exactly what's going to happen there. I would I would I would be uh, fascinated five years from now to to listen to what I thought was going to be the case because I can tell you we've been doing this for four years now. Uh, we're a different company every day because we're growing every day and we are bringing on new people. So I, I couldn't possibly imagine. You know I think so long as. Our core DNA, who we are uh, as, as a group of people, are really devoted to delivering a quality experience, communicating well, and trusting one another. And so long as we have those kind of pillars, I, I can't see why we would be any different with our board in five years than we are now. And that's, I think, because you've, as a learning organization, uh, going through a, a scaling process, you know that you're going to stumble and you're learning through making sure that that stumbling is as small a stumble as possible rather than having very long feedback cycles which makes it a big stumble or even a fall. So so again, it's another DNA factor that actually is setting you very well there. I've got to tell you, it, it is a delight to, to be able to go and share with the audience another model of, of how a company's working because we hear about culture all the time. But as we've been discussing this, we keep going through there's a culture of communication, there's a culture of stumble, there's a culture of scale, and those things add up then saying, well, you're actually in a fantastic position because those values help you with your purpose that you've got and enable the organisation to operate 
without having to go and be either suspicious or trying to go convince mm. people or having to we used to do it this way we have to go <laughs> and actually convince some people so it's a really refreshing conversation yeah. because a couple of the conversations we've had have been very polite at actually not talking about some of the troubles that the organizations are in so I really appreciate your time this oh, afternoon. Well, thank you for including me in this. It's been great. No doubt it'll be the first of many conversations as we talk about design in the boardroom. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.